Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Previously on The Tony Kornheiser Show. Sort of trying to defy convention. Trevor Lawrence, there's more good. There's really not any bad. And there's much less risk with the Trevor Lawrence than any other quarterback in that draft. Plug your radio show for us, Jason. Thank you, Tone. Uh, you can listen to me and my raspy voice two to six. Oh, uh-oh. Copper, you don't hear dog. much on the radio, I promise. But you do hear him quite a bit when I'm talking to Tone. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. All righty then. So what I did yesterday was I made some notes for the show, and I was going to start with the biggest story of the playoffs so far. And I had in this order... Lamar Jackson had a good game. Michael Thomas caught a TD pass. And how hurt is Aaron Donald? And then I was watching um, I was watching the golf pretty late because it's Kapalua, it's Hawaii, it's beautiful, you know, when they're getting on all the par fives in two. And it's interesting to watch for me. And I was just sort of drifting away in Kapalua to see if Justin Thomas or Harris English could catch Joaquin. Is that his name? Joaquin, Joaquin Neiman. Neiman from Chile. And, and he's still hanging out with Sergio. Yeah, and his wife and all of that, and it didn't bother to practice because he was 25 under. And, and so I'm watching this. When I get a text from Norby Williamson, that, and that this is really, it's not that late. It's somewhere around 8.30. It's say even earlier. It's not that late. And, uh, and the text says, Cleveland up 14 nothing, And I go, <laughs> what? What? And so, so the lead story is those things which surprise you most. The headline out of the playoffs is Cleveland. Cleveland beating uh, Pittsburgh without Cleveland's coach on the premises and um, holding on ultimately, holding on ultimately, 28 nothing. but they, they, I think it was 48-37 or something like that. But All about that, that game plan. Just sort of remarkable. That's really remarkable that that happens. So we will obviously talk to Wilbon about that. I was going to start with a other stuff um and i will actually so you know the story michael you know the story of the sketchers yes right it's lara right and i built for comfort lara is her name who's the that's pr right. person yes. that's right so i got a call on friday evening from a strange phone number and i answered it it was a, a los angeles number that's straight to voicemail you know i answered it and and person on the other end says, Tony, this is, and he gave me his name from, I'm not going to reveal his name, uh, from Fox in, in L.A. And I go, yeah. And he goes, I, I just wanted to make sure I called Wilbon earlier the day to get his shoe size. I want to make sure you're 10 and a half. And I go, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm 10 and a half. He goes, yeah, because Howie wanted to make sure you got some sketchers. <laughs> Howie Long, because we mentioned Howie Long's birthday. Okay, so, and I, at the end of it, to be cute, I said, by the way, if you want to hook me up with some of those sketches, I'm 10 and a half, which always gets a laugh when you say that on the air, something personal like that. But it's mostly serious. It's totally serious, but it's also <laughs> played for laughs. So Lara, we had gotten that thing from Lara, who had heard it or someone had alerted her to it. 
and she was going to send me some sketchers. My position would be, why is Wilbon? Wilbon didn't write the line. Wilbon just <laughs> laughed at it, but okay. So, so I begin talking to this guy from Fox, and I say, it's really too bad about Strahan, because, you know, we went from Howie Long to Strahan, happy anniversary, Michael Strahan. It's really too bad he doesn't endorse anything. And the fellow says to me, oh, he has a clothing line. I go, what? What do you mean he has a clothing line? He says, oh, yeah, he makes suits. All the guys on the air, they're wearing his suits. They're wearing his suits. And I said, okay, 41 long. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> really? Really? Go to Strahan and say Kornheiser wants some suits. So we'll see. Like a light charcoal. Yeah, we'll see if anything comes uh, of that. I, I'm, not, I'm not certain anything will come of that, but, you know, I, I, I did say that. So what do you think, Michael? Do you think I can get a suit or two? I think you're going to get a, more than one suit, but your local football team, WFT, which has been the story... Yeah. Around the league for various well, a, various reasons. Yes, all year. Yes. Host a game. And they played great. And they, they a quarterback no one ever heard of. They played the great. Heineken they man. Won. Yeah, he almost won. Well, we'll get to all of okay, that. Just, Taylor Heineke. Yeah. Who, uh, and, and by the way, it's the not... The most exciting quarterbacking you've seen since Bobbert. Well, he's not 20 years old, right? He's He's been around he for a while. He's been around. And There's a reason guys are around for a while and don't get a break, but he was great. And the way he's willing to give up his body makes sense as to when, when he, he dove one play he he made in Denver when he came in for the uh, for the uh, protocol and he ended up getting a concussion himself makes a lot of sense. He certainly dove and he certainly hit the pylon and at the end of that Chase Young put his fingers on the back of his jersey to the camera to to point out his name Heineke. He could very easily compete with Kyle Allen next year for that particular job. I'm not sure Alex Smith is going to come back. I would not. If I were advising Alex Smith, I would say you don't really have to come back. You've proven everything there is to prove. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you don't know about that. I was another, there was another free thing I was going to talk about. It doesn't matter. Um, Dan Byrne, who plays story songs, not quite like Harry Chapin's story songs, because they're, they are more narrowly focused. They are often focused on sports. Yeah, or the snow cone shuffle. Which is the thing that, that the boys the listen to. from Stinky and Dirty. Which they love. Yes. Which they love. And you think Dan Byrne may be a genius. I, I think he's in genius territory. Yeah. So I get, Nigel says to me, I have a calendar for you from Dan Byrne. I go, really? And I look at it, and just on the front of it, it says the golden voice of Vin Scully. And it says to Mr. Tony, have a great 2021, Dan Byrne. And then I read the note. And the note says, please enjoy this calendar for 2021 of some paintings I did. I'm emphasizing this. Some paintings I did, Dan Byrne writes, of great broadcasters. You and Wilbon well represented. With the exception of February, Corinne Fisher, who co-hosts a podcast whose title cannot be spoken on your family program, and I add <laughs> parenthetically, I, I don't know what it is. I'm guessing you know and probably have a great story about everyone in here. Even though Wilbon may not want a calendar for the guy who disparaged Singletary and song, he thinks. I've included an extra, but maybe it'll end up in Reginald's hands. Love your show and being a small part of it. Have a great 2021, Dan Byrne. These are what look like almost oil paintings. They are caricature paintings. They accentuate. It looks like it, the painting of you at the palm. Yeah. It has that quality. It's sort of brilliant. Larry King is in here. Bill Simmons is in here. Harry Carey is in here. Wilbon and I are in here. We are March, by the way, at least not February, the shortest month. What month does uh, Kip Sheeman have? Kip Sheeman not in here. Mm. Um, Mark Marin, who's holding does, out for the 2022. Mark Marin does a famous podcast. He is in here. Um, Jim Rome is in here. Mike Francesa 
is yeah. in here. I, they are, Michael, would you say they are fabulous paintings? They're, they're in their way? An old school, like a 60s feel to them. I think they're wonderful. I, I just, uh, yeah, I'm very grateful to Dan Byrne for doing that. Just think it's fabulous. And I, I played for you about 45 seconds to the first course of the Golden Voice of Vin Scully. Yeah, where he talks about driving from Seattle yeah. all the way down to Los Angeles just to hear Jim uh, Vin Scully call a game. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to mention, um, which was I didn't get to this in the playoff in, in, the, in the golf. The golf turns into a playoff. So set the scene with what Neiman is doing. As two guys are chasing him, Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas has an unfortunate bogey on 17, 16 or 17. 17. And he's out of it at Kept that point. Kept his mouth shut, though. Yeah, he did not say anything which would get him in trouble. And Harris English has played great the whole tournament. Eventually rides down and it, at 18 because he has a great second shot that gives him... That eight feet for eagle. For eagle. He didn't get it. It veered off to the right, but he got the, the birdie that put him... So Neiman Neiman finishes, I don't know, 45 minutes ahead of them? 45 minutes ahead of them. He's And on 18 in regulation, he's just in front of the green. And this green has a huge sort of a shoulder to it. So you're playing for a lot of slope. Some people were surprised he actually chipped it. He felt more comfortable with it. But there's this huge screen that's showing the live leaderboard as he's basically pulling the club back. Hits it to about four and a half feet, but really doesn't touch the hole. Looks like he has a bit of a decel. After signing his card... He goes and has lunch. Yeah, with his girlfriend, I guess, or wife. Girlfriend and, or wife and Sergio and, Sergio and, his, and his girlfriend and wife. wife. Right. And, and they, they're just sitting there. Having a picnic. Yeah, they're just sitting there for like a real long period of time. And in the booth, Justin Leonard is saying, Hey, you might want to go warm up, you know, <laughs> and Nota Gay is going, the range is actually a drive away. Bones is like, just get the car. Don't even ask him. Force him out there. So because, I don't know, maybe he's unaware that he could be caught. Well, he actually could have been passed. Could have been passed. And then he started thinking, he's friends with Sergio. Sergio is a is a touring pro. He knows what he's doing. He might want to say, you know what? Why don't you just go roll a few six-footers? Get that feel back. So he gets tied, and he goes out to the hole where he's laughing. He's sort of laughing at the tee box, and he ends up parring the hole. Um, he has a, he has a, his second shot is dicey, and his third shot, a chip, doesn't do him any favors. 12 to 15 feet away, he misses it, so he pars the hole. And English wraps in a birdie, and he wins it. And you just, you know, you are left to ask yourself, and I understand this is a football weekend, and we will get off the golf and just go to the football after this, but you're left to ask yourself, did Joaquin Neiman prepare, certainly not certainly not with vigilance, but did he prepare enough? Because it didn't look like he prepared at all. Didn't prepare for the, at all. For the, not just the possibility, the probability yes. that he was going to be a in a playoff. par five. Yes, right? What did you think of that? I, I think there were some large. On the other issues. hand, his girlfriend was very attractive. I, I was. I think the, very the tour and the state of the tour is facing much larger issues with what happened with Justin Thomas, who has become their poster boy. Right. Who they've tried to give a lot of real estate to in terms of. He uttered a slur to himself but and has since apologized. He has since apologized, and we'll see what he then does beyond that. But it, it just shows you some of the privilege that he has grown up in and around the game, and how they sort of protect their superstars. So, yeah, Joaquin Neiman. Pretty good weekend, made about $800,000, and he gets all the FedEx Cup points that go along with a top five finish. So, But he's sitting there eating a BLT, like not a care in the world. You go, okay, see, the other guy is going to get no worse than Birdie on 18. Again. Because at Kapalua, everybody does. Right. Think back to the 2004 Masters. Ernie Els. And you think of Ernie Els alone on the putting green as... Phil Mickelson is jumping up in the air. That's how you prep. It's always sort of weird. Anyway, that was... uh, and I missed I, I missed all the drama in the Cleveland game. I watched every other game. I watched the Washington game full. 
I was up after midnight. I hadn't done that in years. Watched every single play of that game and, of course, was wrecked on yesterday because I needed to take two naps yesterday. But I, I watched every Sunday. single play, whereas the Cleveland game was the one I drifted away from early, like ridiculously early, and find out it's 14 nothing after about a minute and a half. So uh, we will take a break. When we return, Michael Wilbon will join us. Do I have this correct? That is correct, yes. Michael Wilbon will join us, and I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Indochino ad. I'm just going to go direct to Nigel because Nigel has bought three of these suits, loves these suits, recommends these suits. Tell us about Indochino. They're fantastic. They're tailor-made to your dimensions, so it's going to fit you like a glove. It's very inexpensive. You can design the suit a number of different ways. You know, if you want a monogram, lapels, however you want to do it, you can make it yours. And and when you get it, you're going to look fantastic. It has been said that I appeared to be a member of the Rat Pack when I had one of these suits on. It's the highest compliment I've ever had in my life. You can get that, too, if you go to Indochino. There's never a bad time to look good, especially when Indochino offers made-to-measure custom clothing at an affordable price. They offer completely custom-fitted suits, coats, and casual wear at surprisingly affordable prices. You can customize everything, as Nigel said. From the fabric and the lining to the lapel shape and the monogram, the choice is all yours. And since your order is made to your exact measurements, and you take your measurements, so you better be right, each piece will fit you and your style perfectly. The best part, Indochino's suits start at $299 with all customizations included. So book a virtual appointment and shop online at Indochino.com. And right now, you will get $30 off any purchase of $399 or more when you enter the code TONYK at checkout. That's $30 off a purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com, promo code TONYK. We endorse this. People on this show have bought these. We endorse this. Use the code, people. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is a song that's titled, What's Love Got to Do With You? This is from sent to us from Colby Shibata Goodman, who writes, I'm a millennial little, who's been a podcast listener from the early days. I've been watching PTI since middle school. The person whom I'm related to by mortgage and marriage affectionately refers to you as the guy who yells at the other guy about sports while you are in the shower. If I'm not toweling off by the end of the A block, I'm just wasting water. Attached is a couple of songs by my extremely talented friend, Steve Magora. He's a professional musician based in Orange County, California, and is an accomplished solo artist, keyboardist for the rock folk band Robert John and the Wreck, and was recently brought on by the band Toto to play keys on their pandemic-permitting Dogs of Oz tour. Isn't that wonderful? Steve Magora, M-A-G-G-I-O-R-A. This is, again, What's Love Got to Do With You, and this is from Michael Wilbon, who joins us from Arizona. And I will just, I will just start with this. It's the story that I began the podcast with that you didn't hear. I had drifted onto the golf. You and I had had a couple of conversations by that point. I had drifted onto the golf because it was getting tight at the end when I got a text from Norby Williamson. And I swear to you, this could not have been more than five minutes into the Cleveland game that I didn't start with. And he goes, Brown's up 14 nothing, And I write back, yeah. what? What? Yeah. And I go over to that game, and in a minute and a half, it's 21 nothing. That's the biggest... There's just no question that is the biggest shock of the weekend. What do you make of all of it? I mean, it, it, it's a total shock. I had a similar experience. I um, 
I was just sitting in a chair watching games, and I was going back and forth to NBA stuff. You were going to golf. Yeah. And I, like, closed my eyes for what seemed to be, you know, three minutes. And I wake up, and it's 7 nothing, and they're moving again. And I'm like, whoa, yeah. what just happened here? And no time has elapsed that, that matters. And then I watched every snap the rest of the way, and it's just unthinkable that the Pittsburgh Steelers playing a home playoff game, I don't care if there aren't fans, they're still playing in Pittsburgh, it still says terrible towels up there in that you know stadium. It's just unthinkable that they would get rocked like that. To the point to the point, Tony, I start texting with you know, fanatic Steeler fans that I'm close to, Hans, my former next door neighbor who you know, Hans Weger. Yeah. Yeah. And I just said, Hans, what is this? And the, the crazy thing is, you, by the end of it, we're talking about, I mean, they had so many free agents, and they look so bad, and they're so old a team, that I, I texted him at the end of it, and I just said, is this Ben Roethlisberger's last snap? That's exactly that what I was going to ask you. I mean, he had four interceptions. The context here is very important. They started out 11-0. and 0. They finished 1-5. Yeah. and 5. What? 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 Uh, it is the greatest collapse. And not a fly by now. I mean, I know the Steelers, they, they had never been 8 and They had never been like 5 and 0. That's right. Never been 5 and 0. That's and right. you get to 11, and you're like, okay, yeah, they're right there. I know I thought that because it was Steelers. You thought Ben Roethlisberger was the MVP at that point. Well, I thought, you did. I thought, I, thought he was, I thought he should be in the running. Yeah. I thought he should be right there. I, it, it, yes, I had at times because I'm sure that. Green Bay had already lost two games. And it's like, don't tell me that, that, that Ben doesn't deserve some mention of this right alongside Rodgers. And at the time, like five Wilson, games, Russell games, Wilson. Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson. Yeah. You know, and, and the kid at Buffalo. Don't tell me that he doesn't belong. And seriously, he, he, he's taken so many shots. And he's 38, right? And big Ben, 38 years old. He's taken so many shots and uh, so much punishment over his career. This is not like Tom Brady, where he hasn't been hit square on in like six years. Ben Roethlisberger takes these shots, and what's he going to do? What, are they going to be? Are they going to be mad at Tomlin? And how 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 much so? They got all these free agents. Who's coming back and who's not? It's an older team. Do they rebuild on in a year that started out six weeks ago at eleven and zero? If you rebuild, you don't rebuild with a 38-year-old quarterback. That's not how it works. No, that's, if you that's watch him, I, you know. what I'm going to say now would have been unthinkable two years ago. Unthinkable comment. Philip Rivers has always had this chicken wing for an arm, and you've always doubted his ability to go deep. Ben Roethlisberger now throws the ball like Philip Rivers. It doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, and you just yeah. say, you honestly say to yourself, wow. And I've, I felt this way last night when I watched a little bit of it. I said, you know what? He's got to consider now, honestly, think about retiring. Don't you think? Yeah, 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 yeah. There's two guys there who just had so much talent. There's three. I mean, Andrew Luck is already gone. He's gone. Cam Newton and Ben Cam Newton and Ben Cam Newton can't throw. They could, well, Tony, they can't do anything. They can't move. That's, they can't. I mean, I realize well, Roth, that, well, that, that Cam Newton can run. Cam Newton can run Cam straight Newton ahead. He's a really beast. Run okay, straight ahead. He can't, he can't do yes. what he did. No, no. He can't do what he did three years ago, much less five or seven. And, no. And Ben looks to be the same way. It just it makes me sad because I've 
you know, Ben Roethlisberger has been one of my favorites um, the whole his whole career. And this man, what's going on with the Steelers? On the other side of that, Baker Mayfield no interceptions. Ben Roethlisberger four. Yeah. Baker Mayfield has put himself in the conversation as a very good quarterback. Not great. Yes, absolutely. Very yeah, good. Yeah, yeah. Very good. Who can lead a team? Lead a team. That's lead right. Into a playoff win on the road against a blood rival. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he is. He is, as they say now, one of the overused phrases. Changed the narrative. He has. Yes. He has changed it. Yes. Yes. You so know, let me let me get closer to home. Player and person. Let me get closer to home, or what is one of your homes anyway? Um, Taylor or Tyler Heineke? Who's this guy? And didn't he look good for Washington? Yeah, he did. He did. He did. I mean, it, it, at one point yesterday, I'm sitting there in disgust watching the franchise I have reinforced this. Oh, they were terrible. They were terrible. And I'm like, so you mean to tell me that that coach and quarterback aren't as good as some dude who nobody even knows his name. He's a beer. <laughs> and he's You mean to tell me that 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 Negi and Trubisky can't put as many points on the board as somebody named Heineke? That was uh, kudos to him. I don't have any idea who he is, I don't know anything about him. But that was a wow. The, it I, was I, I, I Rooted hard for them in that game. I, I don't know that I've ever rooted for a Washington football franchise like that. I will say something that will surprise you that I said earlier in the podcast. I watched every snap. I stayed up after midnight, watched every play of that game. That, that game was a, that was a great watch, but it leads me yeah. to another question. And I know how much you like Alex Smith. I yeah, think I can't. It's, you yeah. gotta go. You gotta say I did yeah. it. I've accom- I've climbed yeah. the mountain. I came back. I did something nobody could even conceive. Yes, yes, I love him. But you just you know you know that he wanted to play. You know that they the doctors watched him like you know like they've never watched a player in 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 trying to sign off on having him play, allowing him to play. I got nothing but love and admiration for Alex Smith, and I, I just as I sat there watching him on the sideline, I just thought, I, how, how's he ever gonna? He did it. He did it. Is, is that enough? Is that enough for him now? Hope it is. And, answer, and you look, it, I, you know, you look at that team and you say to yourself, you know what? If Kyle Allen, who is a major league quarterback, not great but not terrible, if Kyle Allen and Tyler Henneke. If 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 they compete for that job next year with that defense, they could they could be back in the playoffs. They nah, could be. Nah, nah. Go get somebody. Go get Matthew Stafford. Oh Go well, yeah. Or get Deshaun Watson. I mean, if you can, or well, get Carson okay. Wentz. I mean, yeah, if you yeah, can, I don't. I don't know. I wouldn't get Carson Wentz. I I go get Matthew Stafford. Um, there's never been. You never heard teammates angry about the the presence of Matthew Stafford like they are. Carson no, he's Wentz. liked. He's well liked. He's well so liked up there. I, I go, he's, he's a guy to me who would fit with the, Red, the Washington football team right now. Right now. Let's go. Let's go, and we can go big game hunting. He's yes, gonna with him. Team yes. He's, he's going to be the best team he's ever been on, probably, with the best defense he's ever been on. So go get him. But uh, I, well, he, that's a name that jumped out at me. 
Let me go to Chicago because they were inept offensively. They were totally inept because New Orleans, yeah. New Orleans didn't have much. They honestly didn't in that particular game, and Chicago had nothing at all. What What are your thoughts? It's the game and the team I've watched all my all my life, all my life with a couple of exceptions. You know, you you can only ask a defense and special teams to hold the fort for so many minutes in a game, and then the other team has to do its part the other unit offense. They, they can't do their part. They held Drew Brees to seven points and a half. They did. They did. And for most of they the did. third quarter, and they couldn't, that you can't keep asking them to make every play because they consider the other people bums. They don't say it, but that's what they're thinking. We're going to hold Drew Brees to seven. Can you give us some help? Nah, let's look <laughs> like dogs. Let's look like every Bears offense ever. And so this is what happens. I've, I've watched this my whole life. I, once again, want this guy fired, the head coach. Because if all you can do – so he got one, one touchdown from the offense last week against Green Bay. And he gets one – you know, he did even get one yesterday. They score late. It doesn't matter what they did late. No, they, I don't think they did. So – it doesn't matter what they did. Like they can't one touchdown in two weeks. Are you supposed to be an offensive guru? And they got some skill position players. They got a running back who was fifth in the league in rushing, David Montgomery, second year player, young stud. He's fifth in the league in rushing, even though Nagy couldn't even figure out how to use him until about week seven. So I'm I'm thoroughly disgusted with them. You know, earlier in the week, Tony, on the show that I do in Chicago, you know, Wild and Sylvie were, you know their work. We're talking about, of course, the Bears. That's what that's what you do in Chicago. And they started the show and they said, "Who do you have more interest in this week, the the Bears in a playoff game, or the Bulls at four and four who look so much better than anybody thought?" And I answered honestly, the Bulls, who went out and somehow they played four last possession games in the West, beat Portland in Portland, lost to, you know, Lakers, Clippers, Kings, last possession each game, lost to LeBron James, last possession. And I was like, you know what? I am, I'm more interested in them now than the usual garbage the Bears trot out there on the offensive side of the ball. Now, let me get to one other thing. I, I will say it surprised me a little, not because, not because of potential, but because of recent experience. It was Lamar Jackson, not Derrick Henry. Lamar Jackson controlled that game, yeah. not Derrick Henry. What yeah. did you think of that? Yeah. Same thing you did. That's what happened. I mean, you know, people wanted to put a tombstone on top of, of, of Lamar, of, uh, of yeah, Lamar, uh, Lamar Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. And <laughs> that run was breathtaking. Oh. The run that got them from 10-3 to tie game was yeah. breathtaking. Don't tell me that you have to throw it 55 times. You don't. You know, I'm not saying that everybody can go out and find a guy like this, but oh my God, he and the he and the Buffalo kid, they have some runs that are just they're they're all time runs. They're, they're up there with anything ever produced by Michael Vick or Randall Cunningham or Steve Young, and so good for them. And now Buffalo Baltimore is a game that we weren't expecting because oh, you had to be expecting. Kansas City, Baltimore, and now, or no, who would have, would have been, I guess it would have been Indy, Kansas City. No, anyway, Pittsburgh. Now, it would have been Pittsburgh. 
because it's Cleveland who who forced that to happen. No, now Cleveland plays Kansas City. No, 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 no. It would have been Pittsburgh, Kansas City. Oh, no. then Baltimore. No. It had to be Baltimore. They they were, they were, yeah, because they were yeah. lowest seed That's remaining, right. and they would have gotten Kansas City. Now this Baltimore Buffalo game is just—it's a compelling game. It's a yeah. rematch of last year again for the Buffalo Bills. So, I, yeah, that's that's an exciting thing. Um, and and I, I, people can just lay off the storyline about Lamar Jackson being that's overrated, right. not ready for a playoff game. At least lay off right now. Well, I'm, I'm one of those guys. I would point out he was 0-2 and he was terrible in both those games, and he was terrific yesterday. So you lay off that now, he, absolutely. He, he, yeah, he, terrific. He carried them. He carried them. 300 yards of offense by himself. Oh, that, that game, that was a man's NFL game. Yeah, it was That's a good game. That's a game for people old enough to remember football in the 60s and the 70s when you had just defensive wars and people got carried out off the field. That's the kind of game that was. I, I found that to be, uh, that was my favorite game of the weekend. All right, 30 seconds or less. Ohio State or Alabama tonight? Who you got? Well, I, you know, I'm rooting for Ohio State. Harder than I've ever right. rooted for Ohio State before in my life. So I, that's all I can see. I mean, I, Alabama's a better team. But I guess you, don't, you can't only go with who's been troubled, who's that had practice, who's had COVID most recently. Yeah, you can't even go with any of that. Um, but Nick Saban's the best coach, and he's got the best team. But I am really – really rooting for uh Ohio State and uh for me Tony I'm gonna have I'm gonna be going back and forth between that and the bachelor. Yeah that's it's your new thing the bachelor would you no (laughs) I've never seen one second of the bachelor the bachelor yeah well you and I didn't watch for different reasons and I will. I didn't enjoy the bachelor we'll talk to you I'll talk to you later. Michael Wilbon boys and girls We'll take a break. When we come back, Chuck Culpepper, who is in Miami for the national championship game, uh, will join us. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the TurboTax Live read. This is a new one for me. You're unique, and and it, it figures, you know, because as April 15th approaches, you always do tax reads from January to the middle of April. You're unique, and so are your taxes. TurboTax Live has experienced tax experts who listen to you. Learn about your unique tax situations and answer your questions. And on top of all that, they can do your taxes from start to finish. Maybe you started investing and you want some reinsurance from an expert that you're doing things right. Maybe you're now self-employed and you need some expert advice on what qualifies as a home office deduction. I'm doing a show out of my attic, so if I have to get a new water heater, it seems to me that's a deduction. Or maybe you'd rather have an expert file your taxes for you so you can focus on what matters most. No matter what your situation is, TurboTax Live tax experts can answer your questions, give tax advice, review your return before you file, or even do it all for you. TurboTax Live gives you confidence that your uniquely you taxes are done right. Intuit TurboTax Live. File with the help of an expert or let an expert file for you. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, we're featuring the music of Steve Magora. This song is called Tired of Drinking Alone. And this is not him alone, but this is with his group, Robert John and the Wreck. This was released right before the lockdown in March of 2020. It's a great name, Robert John and the Wreck. W-R-E-C-K, Wreck. This is sent to us by Colby Shibata Goodman and 
This music can be heard it's in, in its entirety without me doing stupid voiceovers at the end of this podcast, which I recommend stopping right now and going to the end and listening to really good music. Michael, if original artists want to send their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. Chuck Culpepper joins us now. We are on the verge, on the eve of, not the eve of, because this is, the eve of would have been last night. This is the day of the national championship game. It's one of the greatest football weekends in sports, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, of pro games, which totally overshadow college games. And that's why college games smartly chose to go on Monday night and to take advantage, to, to piggyback on the notion that people were conditioned to watching football, particularly after a fantastic, unpredictable score last night in the last game in the Cleveland-Pittsburgh game. And so Chuck is in Miami at the ineptly named Hard Rock Stadium, uh, which used to be Joe Robbie and used to be a whole bunch of other things, um, to watch Ohio State and Alabama. And I'm just going to throw you a curveball up top. We'll get, to the, we'll get to this game. But I'm now watching crawls on a lot of television sports uh, networks, and they all seem to be in agreement that Urban Meyer wants to go to Jacksonville and coach that NFL team. You have experience with Urban Meyer as a college coach, I will confess my prejudice up top. I don't like him personally, but it's not that I don't think he's a great coach. I feel the same way about Nick Saban. He has Urban Meyer um, won championships in different spots, uh, as has Nick Saban. What do, you, what do you make of, in general, college coaches going to the NFL, and specifically, if you have any thoughts about Urban Meyer? I've thought all along that this just wasn't going to happen. And so right after it happens, I'm going to continue to say, I think that it's not going to happen just, but it's, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating experiment. I mean, we've seen it go wrong so many times all the way back to Lou Holtz. Yep. Uh, I think of Bobby Petrino. I think you can think of a lot of them. Um, and you know, I, it, it's one of the things that makes me, uh, sort of cements my view that Jimmy <clears throat> Jimmy Johnson is the best coach that we've had because he he, he did do it at both levels and he him and he Pete over- Carroll him and Pete Carroll yeah, come up true. nobody else true. really no yeah and I can I guess if you look at the coaches who won the title on both levels Barry Switzer also on that yep. list but he owes yep. that one to Jimmy Johnson so um so yeah, he overcame his one in fifteen year in nineteen eighty nine, you know, and, and get you know, and then built it really fast. And so, you know, I think there's a lot about it issues of control, you know, issues which you know is in their bloodstreams, and especially in college. And there's a lot about it that becomes fascinating when it gets to the NFL. Issues of the fact that you're not used to losing so often as you have to lose in the NFL, even if you're the best and you go, you know, 11 and five, and that's a good season. So there's a, you know, I, I think it's really interesting if it, if it happens, but it's not going to happen. You don't, okay. So you're going to, you're going to stay there even five years from now when he's won an NFL championship. I would, I wondered if you're going to draft Trevor Lawrence as you should, would you not make the overture to Dabo Sweeney? Unless you found out from Trevor Lawrence, I can't stand playing for this guy. I don't want him anymore. You mean make the overture about Trevor Lawrence to Dabo? No, no, make the overture of coaching Jacksonville so you can oh, follow your guy. Jacksonville. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see, I don't think that that's ever, uh, 
you know, he's never really expressed any interest. Well, neither has Urban Meyer in being in the NFL. So, so, um, yeah, I guess if you're Jacksonville, why wouldn't you do that? I had never once thought of that before just now. Jacksonville's a dump. It's an outpost. I mean, it really is. They played for years. They played all their games pretty much in England. I mean, nobody, you know, if you've been to that stadium, they tarped over like a third of the seats because there was no interest in the NFL in Jacksonville. On the other hand, if you played Florida and Florida State there, Chuck, you could sell 300,000 seats every year, right? Yeah. Every year. Yes. It's it's college. You know, this is no knock on Jacksonville. It's a college football area. It's what it is. It's okay. All right, let me get to this game. Are you satisfied with these two teams being in the national championship game? Do you think they are legitimate? I guess that's a question about Ohio State more than Alabama. Is, is there legitimacy to Ohio State being in this? I'm, I'm not sure I can quite get to the level of legitimacy for the whole thing, the whole September uh-huh. to, to January path to get here. To me, it just feels clunky. The whole thing, it feels more than clunky, really. It just feels, uh, it's legit that, that, that they're in it. They're the, I think they're the two most capable teams in the country. Um, they just haven't had as many chances to demonstrate that, you know, through the months. So it's a little bit, <clears throat> it's a little bit also of kind of, I am a bit impressed that it got here, that it got all the way to here. Yeah. Because um, there were times when I thought it just might not. Um, impressed, not at, at um, you know, at any, there's no accomplishment of it, but that fate sort of allowed it to get here. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, just to see these two play, although as somebody pointed out to me the other day, why do we have to go through all that stuff? Why don't we just go ahead and put them in the game to begin with back in September? One of the things that I wrote down and I, I, you know, I, I've put down this word because it, it, was the exact word I wanted, which is it doesn't feel like a real season to me. It's not as bad as college basketball, which is ridiculous at the moment, absolutely ridiculous, and holds my interest for not even 10 seconds. But the football season, because of the variety and number of games played and because of the the postponements happening all over the place, even if we get a champion, and God knows these are very good teams – it still won't feel like a real season to me. How about you? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. It's, it's, just not, it's just not quite there. I mean, we know why they, they've played it. You know, they've played it to shore up the finances in the athletic mm-hmm. departments, and they've played it to provide distractions. And the other day I called up uh, four epidemiology experts who also love football, and I wanted to know sort of how they're how their season went watching it. And they all agreed that they're glad that it happened, even though they winced and cringed and mm-hmm. grimaced through, you know, watching various violations of public health policy throughout these games on TV. So, um, you know, it's sort of in that, in, in that in-between range of, yes, it's good that it happened, but it's just not, and the champion doesn't deserve an asterisk or anything because they went through so much crazy stuff. So we'll, we'll give them that, but it just, it's just, it's going to always just sit there on the, on the list of seasons as a, as a wacko enterprise. To that point, just spare me the piety of the big 10 
and their bedrock concern about science and player safety. They've changed every single rule they put out there to make themselves look good and slinked back into the position of getting their team into the finals. I can't be the only one who feels this way about the Big Ten. Well, and, you know, the the reversal in mid-September came based on that daily antigen testing, and one of the Pac-12 advisory board members was telling me the other day that that's been, you know, his biggest concern is that that testing is just not as reliable as as um, as everybody hoped it to be. And, you know, the Pac-12 followed them with that, too. They said, okay, we have the daily testing now. We'll, we'll go ahead with it. And, you know, the, a lot of... Um, false negative tests and, and, and some false positive tests as well. So, you know, they're, they're look, kind of looking at that and, and wondering, you know, if, if that was wise in the, in the framework of the whole thing that, you know, the testing that was the, the panacea didn't turn out to be quite so helpful. Let me get to the teams. Let me get to the, the, the Alabama. They've got, the Heisman Trophy winner. He's the best wide receiver, Devontae Smith. He's the best wide receiver in the country. The other guy they're getting back might be the second best wide receiver in the country, which means that their quarterbacks got to be one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the country because somebody's got to get these guys the ball. They have one of the top two or three running backs. How does Nick Saban get these people all the time? Well, and I think that's... And then how does he get them to... You know, they block for each other. The, the receiver core has become a, a staple there, like linebackers used to be at Penn State long ago. And, you know, all, what was it, linemen at Nebraska way back when? Yeah. And yeah. it's receivers at Alabama now. And, uh, and the way they just it, – it, they all see that – the players all see that everybody – you know, sometimes it seems half the people in the NFL catching passes went to Alabama. Sometimes it seems like that. And, you know, it's, it's not technically true, but, but they all see that it works. And if, you know, and, and so they all see these places, Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, have become more and bigger and bigger, and I hate this word, but brands. And so, um, and so they all see that it works and that if you're, like, if you're a player in Miami, as uh, let's say Miami, as most of Alabama's secondary is from Miami right now, and you want to get, maybe you want to go to Florida, Florida State, or Miami, but you're looking at this other place and say, you know, look at the guys they're putting in the NFL. That's where it comes from by now. I yeah, think. yeah. Uh, Mac Jones has to be the most sort of under-talked about quarterback ever. Again, I point out, he's getting these guys the ball. If he was terrible, if he was like an LSU quarterback from eight years ago, they wouldn't be getting the ball. Am I wrong on Mac Jones? He's got to be good. Oh, he's excellent. Yeah, just yeah, you're absolutely right about that. That's what I think. I mean, I was I was thinking he was sort of like Bart Starr, uh, another old, real old Alabama quarterback in the sense that he makes he's not particularly flashy. He makes no mistakes, and he is so efficient. So efficient, Mac Jones. Where'd they get well, him used, from? He used to get saddled with that game manager thing. You yeah. Know, that that uh, slur, quarterbacking slur that it is. And, but um, he, he's from, he's from that, a private school in Jacksonville that if you look at the people who graduated from there, it's, it's incredible. The people in government, people in you know, the arts. Um, and, and he was not 
uh, heavily sought after at the beginning. And I believe originally committed to Kentucky and then Alabama came in and offered and then he, he, he changed. That's the way I remember it happening. But, um, but you know, somebody who here they had Jalen Hurts for a while, then, then Tua, and then Tua got hurt at Mississippi State in November of 2019. And here he came in against uh, in the Iron Bowl. And they lost it 48-45, but he, and, you know, he made some mistakes, but, but on, on balance did just really, really well. And, and then this year has just proved to be just completely with it in terms of, of how to distribute the ball and, and how to keep in mind that many options and that many talents around him. Did I read somewhere that he graduated in two and a half years and already has a master's in something? Could that I be true? That could be true. I mean... You, you see, I do see this more and more. I, I'm, I don't know that I know it for sure about him, but I've seen this more and more where guys are doing this and where they're, as I sort of roam around, you run into these cases of these incredible time managers that they are. And it's really started to get striking to me, especially as look back last century, college sports had this image of, you know, guys who, who went to the school and never took a class and so on. And, and, and that image lingers today. I, I wonder how, because what I see as I go around is actually really impressive. I, I used to, I found this out at Monday night football and I, I didn't make it into a crusade, but it is true. Football players are the most academic of all athletes. They have to go to meetings all the time. They have to study film all the time. They are in, an, a, in a dependent system with a, 10 other players at all times. It's not like other sports. They may not strike you as being particularly smart, but so many of them are indeed, Chuck, particularly smart, don't you think? Oh, and I never hear this. I never... I never get to have this conversation, but I've really been, you know, <clears throat> just in the last seven seasons when I've been following it uh, closely, it's just, it's just, if, if something can be if very true, it's very true. It's, they are just, uh, they're just, they're just, they're wow. I mean, I think of how I lived my college years and, you know, and I still have that dream at night where I, can't get to a certain class and they're having the exam, you know, and I can't find the building. And that was not all that, that far from, uh, you know, when I have that dream, it's not all that far from the actual truth that occurred. And I just think of them and how they, how they manage their time. It's, it's remarkable to me. And then you you factor in that some of them now are going to be probably doing these licensing deals where they, you know, get to promote their names and so on. And it's like, how are you going to find the time to manage that as well? They do, because they're smart. All right, we'll get you out of here on this. It's obligatory. It's who do you think's going to win? I've, I've really liked Ohio State the whole time of uh, thinking about this game. Uh, part of it is that pressure they put on Trevor Lawrence really struck me. We don't know that much about their defense because they haven't played enough games. Right. And of course, and of course, Chase Young, who by the way, is just what a, what an individual he is, what a teammate, but, um, but you know, he's gone. So the defense was kind of left in this, these questions. And I, and I thought in that game against Clemson, they really um, showed that, that they might make enough plays with pressure to, uh, you know, to, 
to enable their offense to have more points than Alabama in, in a high-scoring game. And then the running game, um, the way they've been running the ball lately is is I could see it keeping the Alabama offense off the field just enough to uh, to pr- to prevail. But you know, then again, you say these offenses go on the field and they score in 55 seconds anyway. So what am I talking about? <laughs> well, enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you soon. Uh, right. Thanks for your time. Chuck Culpepper, so boys much. and girls, writes so well in the Washington Post, so well. Uh, we will take a break. We will come back with email and jingles. Uh, the emails are very, very directed at my son. This should be fun. I am Tony <laughs> Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Wonder Woman 1984, Ed. You can experience the epic adventure Wonder Woman 1984 in theaters and on HBO Max. It's now streaming at no extra cost to HBO Max subscribers. Plus, with HBO Max, stream the greatest collection of series, movies, and exclusive Max originals all in one place. Discover something new to watch, such as The Undoing, such as, I'm adding such as, The Flight Attendant, such as His Dark Materials. Notice what I'm leaving out here. And so much more. That's my interpretation that and so much more is not a such as. Go to hbomax.com. Or download the app to sign up and start streaming today. Wonder Woman 1984 is rated PG-13 and is available to stream on HBO Max for 31 days from the theatrical premiere, which I believe was Christmas Day. I believe that to be true. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. It's Ronnie Newmeyer and Tom Lofgren. It's the echoes of the birds are so obvious there. I like that so very much. Uh, Nigel, why don't you uh, give us the Bethesda Bagels read? Yes, thank you very much, Mr. Tony. Bethesda Bagels, we love them. You will as well. We've got the bagel sandwiches today. That's always a great day for us. Just I like the Bethesda. sausage sandwiches. Well, we've got two I'm sausages just saying. and one, one bacon, right? How about three and oh? I like sausage. <laughs> right, we'll go for three and oh. Next yeah. time, we'll just go to That's Just me. I'll take the bacon. <laughs> no. <laughs> and you'll be All thrilled. Right. Thank you. That'll just about do it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, let me say, and everybody recognizes this. It's just such a great song, Janis Joplin. Oh, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. Worked hard all my lifetime. No help from my friends. So, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? She's just so great. <laughs> Michael Wilbon and Chuck Culpepper, thank you so much for being on. Thanks to our sponsors as well, Indochino, TurboTax, and HBO Max, where you can stream Wonder Woman 1984 right now. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. From Patrick Ratliff in Carrollton, Texas, but originally from Northbrook, Illinois, childhood home of Chris Collins. He writes, I've been quiet long enough. I've waited years for something to happen on your show that enraged me to the point where I had to jump on the computer and type feverishly. Trash talk the Bears? No. Listen to Wilbon say Chris Collins lived in Glenview and not Northbrook where he actually lived? No. But when I heard your son get attacked for, sam- for 
Putting mayo on a grilled cheese, I had to draw the line. Mayo on a grilled cheese sandwich is the only way to go. It spreads much more easily. It cooks more evenly. It even adds a little tasty zip to the golden brown crustiness of the bread. I've been using mayo on grilled cheese sandwiches for years. I will never go back. A few months ago when I mentioned this progressive culinary technique to my wife's old school nana, I was openly ridiculed in front of my in-laws, no less. As a lover of grilled cheese, a good grilled cheese, I was profoundly embarrassed. Fast forward a few weeks, and Nana cooked tomato soup and grilled cheese sandwiches for the whole family, perhaps as an antagonistic move. There was a giant platter with maybe 12 grilled cheeses on it. It was magnificent. As everyone began eating, Nana explained how she cooked half of the sandwiches using butter and half of the sandwiches using mayo. She gave me one of each and asked me to determine which sandwich was cooked with which spread. I carefully tasted each sandwich, chewing slowly and really taking in the delicate nuances of the well-cooked sandwiches like I was Mr. Tony, sipping a vintage red before throwing it back in the server's face. Everyone looked on, waiting for my verdict. This email is so great. I proudly exclaimed that this sandwich was the mayo and this was the butter. It seemed so obvious to me. Everyone exploded into mocking laughter because all of the sandwiches were made using butter. It was definitely a low point, and the humiliation still follows me to every dinner at Nana's house. Mayo, butter, makes no difference. I'm a moron, but I'm still team mayo, strictly for the spreadability factor. Patrick Ratliff. Michael, your thoughts? It's just more consistent. Again, you don't have to worry about the, the smoke point as much. But what a vicious family. Yes. From Luis Ramirez in Toronto. As a Canadian, a classically trained chef, I felt it was oh, my gosh. duty to weigh in on the condiment and poutine conversation. Poutine is greatest after completing an outdoor winter activity, skiing, snowshoeing, walking uphill both ways in the snow to and from school. The fries must have a crisp skin and mealy inside. Twice fried russet potatoes are the spud of choice. The cheese curds must squeak as you chew. Shredded cheese is an abomination. The gravy must be a chocolate brown beef gravy with the consistency of a sabayon. Coats the back of a spoon. Even if my first three points are ignored, ketchup has no place anywhere on a poutine. The thought of ketchup going on a poutine is as appetizing as drinking a 50-50 mix of milk and lemon juice for breakfast. Don't do it. <laughs> Finally, mayonnaise on the outside of a grilled cheese is incredible and not to be admonished. The crust form is tremendously wonderful. Michael, try it with a croissant in a panini press. Thank you for years of entertainment. Your show has helped me get through the long months with restaurant closures. Wear a mask. Stay safe. And P.S. Yes, I am of Latin American descent, but we immigrated to Toronto when I was five, and it is my home, and I identify as Canadian. I love this guy. From Rich. Backed by Cinque the chef. Grana in Arlington, Virginia. In listening to your podcast, I couldn't help but notice that during the mailbag segment, Michael was being taken to the cleaners for his idea to put mayonnaise on the bread of a grilled cheese sandwich prior to grilling. Note after note came in talking about how crazy he was and how disgusting the idea is. Well, oddly enough, I'm flipping through my latest issue of Cook's Country Magazine today, January 9th, which covers the month of February and March and March 2021. And sure enough, on page two at the very top is a segment called Make Way for the Mayo. And the picture on the right is a golden grilled cheese sandwich picture attached, which is here. Cook's Country is part of America's Test Kitchen, the culinary food lab empire that you can sometimes see on PBS. They're known for recipes based in food science, so I think it's fair to say that Michael has a little bit of scientific credibility here, and all those doubters can eat it. What do you think of that? I did take chemistry for non-science majors. <laughs> there you go. That's not biology for non-science majors, but it's close. From Terry Tahara in Bremen, Indiana, Dear Dr. Tony, I felt the need to share this abomination with you. The woman, to whom I'm not yet related by marriage, actually dunks her grilled cheese in a dollop of mayo on her plate. Ooh. I thought about sharing a video with you, but didn't want to hear you gag on air. Also, do you ever get the urge to secretly delete one of the 15 Hallmark Christmas movies from the DVR and see if anyone notices? <laughs> totally brilliant. 
From Paul from Lindsay, Ontario in Canada, after listening to Friday's mail segment, I feel the need to defend Michael's use of mayonnaise on grilled cheese. I belong to an online grilled cheese community at the social media site Reddit. We are very specific on the rules of making grilled cheese and how there are only three ingredients, bread, cheese, and spread. Anything extra turns the grilled cheese into a melt by definition. I can tell you that this community is on Michael's side when it comes to using mayo as spread. Michael's absolutely right when he says the mayo creates a crispier bread. It's the go-to for most grilled cheese connoisseurs. So if you disagreed with Michael, you have no idea what you're talking about. As for ketchup on an egg sandwich, Michael was right again. It's the only time to use ketchup with eggs, but the combo of egg, ketchup, and bread is an incredible combo. Two for two. Maybe when the NFL season is over, you should give Michael the Friday slot that Jeff Ma has, and Mike could, could tell us about a different recipe each week. Keep up the great work. Well, this week we'll be doing a chicken pasole soup. but <laughs> From John Baker in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Yes, Michael. Yes. Use mayo on grilled cheese. That's how my father made them and how I made them for years. My wife always condemned me for it. My daughter enjoyed them when I made them, but as she got older and started making her own, she used butter. I have transitioned to butter because of all of the pressure from my wife, and it's easier to clean up. Happy wife, happy life after all. But now with your pronouncement of mayo use on grilled cheese, I will go back to my old ways and resume yes. using it. I miss my mayo yourself. grilled cheese sandwiches. Thank you. You've, you've turned a life around. You've ended that, a marriage. You, you used to make grilled cheese by putting two halves of bread in a toaster. Yeah. You didn't put any spread on it. Because yeah, I'm an idiot. I don't know how to do it. From toaster. Tim. From Tim, who writes, in the land of Wilbon, everyone who ridiculed Michael for using mayo on grilled cheese has never had a proper grilled cheese and should be ashamed of themselves for assuming the mayo was condiment for grilled cheese when, alas, it is an ingredient during the cooking process. Very similar to how a bit of sugar is sometimes added to a sauce during cooking to help combine a harmony of flavors. So subtle, you didn't even know it existed. However, to add it to a savory dish, like, say, ravioli, after the fact, would be downright insane. <laughs> and one more. Uh, from Ross Henderson in Elijay, I hope that's pronounced correctly, Georgia. Your story of Carol's dessert ravioli, patent pending, reminded me of Independence Day 2019. My dad is an excellent cook and baker, and nothing he makes is more beloved than his homemade banana pudding. Unlike the traditional cold dessert, he serves his, his warm. Why? Because it's better. On this particular occasion, he made a large batch for my extended family. When I took my first bite, my face immediately soured. I politely told him that his pudding tasted off. He took a bit and agreed, so much so that he immediately went and made another one. Same result. It wasn't until later in the evening we discovered that he had accidentally purchased and used lemon-flavored Nilla wafers in the pudding, which gave us all a good laugh. We continue to joke about it every time he makes it, and we're still mystified by the existence of lemon Nilla wafers. Mike from Lowell, one more time. I used the last slice of bread from a wheat loaf and a slice of a new loaf of white bread to make a grilled cheese. Would you ever do this in a million years? Michael, would you do that? Oh, gosh, no. Mustard, onion, tomato, Mike from Lowell. Oh, this is from PK. I love the. I just keep going because I just love these. This is it, though. Hey, Maureen in Queens. This is PK, formerly of Queens. You're nuts. Bacon, egg, and cheese with ketchup, salt, and pepper on a roll is the kind of breakfast that makes you want to be a better person, do better at work, hug a neighbor, and sing at the top of your lungs. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, do wear white. Jesus, am I speaking Chinese? Go when you want to 
It's worth it. Cause I got a bottle of wine. 